Yeah, John chapter nine, starting at verse one. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had been formerly blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews has already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and, had, and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, I now see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Since the world began, it has been, uh, never since the world began, has it been heard of anyone opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in uttered sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? 
He answered him, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Alyssa, thanks very much for reading. And if you have a handout, um, uh, it will help to follow along. And do keep uh, the John's Gospels open, or if you're on the call, um, do uh, keep the Bible passage open in front of you. Well, the, the question we're going to consider this lunchtime uh, is, is this. What is the evidence that Jesus is at work today? And in many ways, it doesn't seem that Jesus is working at all in this world. See, on a general level, uh, there's a widespread of rejection of Jesus today. I think about church numbers across the country uh, is dwindling. And following Jesus is no longer seen as something that's old-fashioned, but perhaps today is seen as something that's evil. And maybe on a personal level, you may have experienced um, someone close rejecting Jesus, and that causes you to doubt whether he's really at work. And it's especially painful when that person who's rejecting is close to you, a close friend, a parent, or a child, or a spouse. You see, the closer the relationship, the more painful the rejection is. And so it really seems that perhaps Jesus really isn't at work today. And maybe another thing that adds to the doubt that he's at work is that, well, Jesus, he's absent. Uh, we don't see him. Imagine if we we're in the first century, uh, we could easily point to him there. That's Jesus. Look at the miracles that he's doing. Don't you see him at work? But today, uh, we don't see him. He's not around physically. And so it's not explicitly clear how he works. And perhaps you may not call yourself a follower of Jesus today. And that's a reasonable question to ask. Uh, where is he at work? Is prayer just a gimmick? Uh, something to help an individual just to feel good? Is there anyone up there? But what does Jesus' work look like today? Again, as we've been seeing, uh, this really is an acute question for the original readers of John's Gospels. Uh, think about the people who were in the first century. Rejection for them was the norm. Uh, they were cast out of the family. They would lose their family inheritance. They would be ostracized by society. And to follow Jesus, uh, the man who claimed to be God, uh, the man who claimed to be bringing about all the promises of the Old Testament, the one who brings this new Exodus rescue, is to follow someone who is absent, an absent Messiah. How does this work look like today? Well, uh, John, he, he understands that question that we struggle with. How do we know that Jesus is working today? 
and he writes to his readers to encourage them and to pass to them. And so the answer that John gives us today is this, that Jesus' work today, what well, it looks like the blind man. It looks like the blind man. Well, if you're following the handout, we're on point number one. It looks like the blind man who has received new creation sight. I look to verse one in our passage today. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Uh, do you notice the discussion between disciples and Jesus? It's all about the point that the man was blind from birth. Uh, the disciples, they are wondering whether he was blind because his parents sinned. Uh, but Jesus, he shifts their focus to the work that he's about to perform. Uh, but the point there is that he was blind, uh, totally blind from birth. He has never seen light before, only darkness. What happens? I look to verse 6 in the passage. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Can you imagine uh, to close your eyes, uh, to imagine that your entire life is in darkness? All you know is total darkness. And as the man, he opens his eyes, uh, the first ray of light hits his retina. And for the first time, uh, he sees his hands, his feet. Uh, he sees people for the first time, his neighbors, his friends, his parents. And he says, finally, that's how my mother actually looks like. And imagine seeing all that for the very first time. It's a miracle of sight. But notice it's not only a miracle from sight, it's not just a restoration, but it's a new creation. You see, he was blind from birth. He had never had sight before. Sight had to be created in him. But John also in our passage, he highlights that what's going on is that of a new creation. I look down to verse 14, that the miracle was performed on the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath points back to Genesis, where God created the world in seven days. But there are other allusions to Genesis as well. I look down to verse 6. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. I wonder whether you noticed there was such a strange description of why did Jesus spit on the ground to make mud with his hands? And I wonder whether John, he's alluding back to Genesis uh, when God, he made Adam from the ground. Uh, likewise, Jesus making mud from the ground, applying to the eyes, is an act of creation. Uh, furthermore, seven times in our passage, uh, the man is said to have his eyes open. If you remember in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, their eyes were open. Uh, back then, uh, there was a bad thing that the eyes were open. 
But here, it is a great thing that the blind man's eyes were open. So the sight that he receives is not restoration, uh, it's creation. He was once in darkness, but it's as if he heard a voice, let there be light. And as his eyes opened, uh, there was light. See, the blind man, he receives physical sight. It was an act of creation. But I wonder whether you notice when Alistair was reading, not only did he receive physical sight, he also received spiritual sight. Because through the narrative, the man, he gradually gains a clearer understanding of the person of Jesus. I look down to verse 10. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. And notice how does he call Jesus there? He's the man called Jesus. Look down to verse 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. And no longer a man, but a prophet. But flip over the page down to verse 37. Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Not just a man, not just a prophet, but the Lord, master, or rather God himself. And that's why the blind man gets on his knees and worships him. You see, there's a gradual gaining of spiritual sight through the narrative, a both physical and spiritual sight being created in him. So what does Jesus' work look like today? Well, it looks like a blind man receiving new creation sight. And it was true about how Jesus worked back in the first century, but also today in us, because the blind man well, is a picture of all of us. You see, all of us, we were blind from birth, not physically, but spiritually. Uh, we were born in spiritual darkness, like how the blind man, he never saw light. Uh, we don't know God and we cannot comprehend him. Uh, to say, I like to think of God as this or, or that, is like the blind man describing someone in his blindness. See, what we need is not improvement, it's not self-help. Uh, we need a new creation to see Jesus for who he is. And like the blind man, we gradually come to understand him. So his works, it looks like giving sight, a new creation sight in people. Uh, but that's not all. Uh, that's where we come to a point number two. It's in the midst of hostility. And then on the handout, I give, I've given you a rough sketch of the overall narrative. There's seven episodes in this section. Uh, it starts with Jesus giving sight to the blind man. And then you have the neighbors questioning him, his identity. Uh, the Pharisees come in the third episode to confront him. And then the Jews, they, they confront the blind man's parents uh, to verify that it's really him. And that's quite a sad episode because his parents, uh, they don't actually defend the blind man. Uh, they say, ask him yourself. Uh, perhaps they throw him under the bus. And the Pharisees, they come back to confront him again. And after that, the blind man recognizes Jesus' identity. Um, after the Pharisees cast him out of the synagogue. 
And by the seventh episode, Jesus, he pronounces blindness on the Pharisees. And each episode, we see growing hostility to the blind man. Uh, in the first encounter, imagine he sees them for the first time. There's all these men in long robes confronting him. It must be quite a scary experience. And they question him how he receives his sight. Again, his parents, they refuse to defend him. And you would think that his parents would be overjoyed that their son can finally see um, after being blind all his life. But yet, they don't defend him. But by the second encounter, when the Pharisees confront him again in verse 24, they revile him. Uh, verse uh, 24, is that right? Sorry, I lost my page. Uh, verse 28, sorry, they reviled him. And eventually, by the end of the section, they cast him out. Uh, there's a growing hostility through the narrative. Uh, but here's what I think is really interesting. Um, the greater the hostility, the more the man can see. Let me say that again. The greater the hostility, the more the man can see Jesus for who he is. Uh, you, you can put it this way. Hostility is the way he gradually gains sight. See, as they question him, the more he reasons things out. I look down to verse 20, 24. Verse 24, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. Uh, do you see the point? He says, I can't claim to know whether he's a sinner or not. Uh, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. I look down to verse 26. They said to him, what did he do to you? How do you open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already and you will not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? I wonder where the blind man, he, he sniffs out their intentions. Uh, they, he discovers that they don't really want to know his answers. And he becomes a bit cheeky in his response. Uh, do you notice, do you also want to become his disciples? He's growing in boldness. Uh, he's also getting a bit cheeky. And surely he knows by saying that, uh, he would really um, uh, make them angry. I look to verse 28 then. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, were you teach us, and they cast him out. Well, the blind man's uh, reasoning is, is perfectly logical. Uh, you guys, you don't actually know where he comes from. God, he doesn't listen to sinners. God has listened to him by creating sight in me. Therefore, he must be from God. And you see, their rejection, their question of him, it helps him to reason things out, to come to a clear, a clear understanding 
of who Jesus is. And so from hostility becoming a reason to doubt Jesus' work, it is the means by which his followers gain spiritual sight. Uh, anecdotally, this is true. If you think about it across the history of the church, uh, the Reformation, uh, in the midst of persecution, uh, Christians gain greater clarity about the work of Jesus, justification through faith alone. Uh, today, think about this country uh, where there's increasing hostility against Christians, but it's also true that the church has been forced into thinking things through. Issues as same-sex marriage, on transgenderism, on liberalism, the church has been forced to think through, is Jesus right? And as a result, uh, the church has become clearer. Uh, that's really one of the reasons why I've moved over here uh, for training, because the training here is excellent. Because the church, through hostility, has been forced to think through her understanding of Jesus. Uh, do you see the point? Uh, spiritual understanding is gained in the midst of hostility. Uh, that might be true also for you on an individual level. Uh, when you face doubts with Jesus or you have faced persecution uh, by others, it forces us to ask, do we really believe that Jesus is Lord? Um, is he really true? Is the Bible really true? And in those moments, perhaps there are times where we gain greater clarity about who Jesus is. Well, but there's one last observation. Uh, as Jesus works, it looks like a blind man receiving new creation sight in the midst of hostility, but it's also in Jesus' absence. That's where we are in point number three. I wonder whether you notice when uh, in the story, uh, Jesus, he gives sight to the blind man at the start, but in the middle of the narrative, uh, he disappears from the scene. He's no longer there to be found. He only comes right at the very end of the story. And on the surface, it seems that Jesus is not present. Uh, he's away from the blind man. He has left him all alone. But I guess if you read closely, I mean, one can't shake the feeling that maybe Jesus continues to work in the background despite not being physically present. Um, he was there giving sight at the very beginning. Uh, but notice how the man, he starts to take on the words of Jesus on his very own lips. Jesus, in the previous passage, he proclaimed himself to be the I am, uh, the, the God of the Exodus. I am. If I look down to verse 9, what the blind man says. Uh, some said, is he? Others said, no, but it's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Uh, in a sort of a similar way, uh, the blind man starts to take on the words of Jesus. But also in previous chapters, when the Jews keep confronting Jesus over and over again about telling him who he really is, he says, I've been telling you for Uh, sorry to those online. Um, I'm gathering that the connection is pretty poor. Um, it's really terrible. We put the, the, the recording uh, online so you guys can, can um, listen to it. Um, we keep pressing on. I mean, the point being that in the previous chapters, when the Jews kept asking questions to Jesus, he told them, I've really been telling you from the beginning um, and my words find no place in you. But look down to verse 24. Look at how the blind man responds. Sorry, verse 27. 
Uh, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? See, in a quite a similar way, uh, when Jesus gets repeated questions asked to him, he rebuffs them. And likewise, the blind man is doing the same. And like Jesus, the blind man, he uses airtight arguments uh, to pin the Pharisees down. And the more logical he is, the more the Pharisees show their blindness. And look finally to verse 39, as Jesus comments, uh, comments on what's happening. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Uh, that is the twin effect of Jesus' works. He gives sight and he blinds and he accomplishes that through the blind man as he carries out Jesus, uh, he carries out the blinding in Jesus' absence. So I think the point is this. Uh, Jesus, he continues to work in his absence through the blind man. Uh, through the blind man's words, he continues to judge the Pharisees. If you like, the blind man, he is sent by Jesus to be his witness and judge against the Pharisees. John, in the later part of his gospel, he builds on this idea in the upper room discourse. Uh, his work continues through his followers. Uh, they carry on his work of giving life and judgment by taking their words on his lips, on uh, his words on their lips. And so Jesus, he gives his words to the disciples to carry out his work. And likewise, as we speak the words of Jesus, uh, those very words continue to give life and judgment today. And so if you open John's gospel and you read it with a friend, and if your friend accepts Jesus, uh, that's life. Jesus is at work. Your friend, he rejects Jesus' words. That is judgment. Jesus is at work. So yes, he isn't physically present, but he still continues to work today in the background, in his absence, giving spiritual sight amidst hostility as his followers take his words on their lips. Well, the question I asked at the start, what does Jesus' word, uh, work look like today? Well, it looks like the blind man uh, receiving new creation sight amidst hostility in his absence. And so over the past few weeks of uh, observing the darkness of rejection in John's gospel, uh, we get to see something really encouraging here. See the hostility that initially may cause you to doubt that Jesus is at work is what helps his followers to gain sight. It's painful in the midst of hostility, and I'm sure the blind men experience real pain when being rejected by the society. But because Jesus is working, uh, his sight was gained in the midst of hostility. Again, Jesus' physical absence initially seems to be a reason to doubt that he's at work. But the encouragement is he is working even in his absence, working in the background. And as his followers take his words on their lips, uh, we participate in his life-giving and judging works. Well, um, that's all uh, for today. Uh, why don't I pray for our time and we can break out into discussion groups after this. Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, 
and those who see may become blind. Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that even in his absence, he continues his work today. And we think about even as we take his words on our lips, he continues working in the background to give, give life and to judge those around us. So please, will you encourage us with those words? In Jesus' name, amen.